0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talk Busy with Lizzie podcast. I am your host, Lizzie, and today we are continuing our Foster Care Awareness Month little uh, mini series, I guess. Anyways, it's no longer Foster Care Awareness Month because that ended in May, but I always say that it shouldn't just end in May, okay? Okay. We shouldn't just stop thinking about all of those kiddos that are in the foster care system and are affected by the foster care system because there are so, so, so many. Um, I say the same thing in November during uh, Adoption Awareness Month. We shouldn't just stop wanting to support them or stop thinking about them the second the month ends. Um, It's great that we have a month for support and for awareness but we can't just let it stop there especially if you're passionate about helping kids in foster care or going through adoption or whatever and I mean this goes for a lot of other things too whether that be mental health stuff whatever anytime there's like a month specifically for something or a day specifically for something it doesn't mean that you just forget them at the end of that because I think people treat it that way um where they go, well, we celebrated that month, now on to the next thing. Um, and it can really get into some bad habits of um, putting on a show for a month or a day or a week or whatever the heck it might be. So that's kind of what I want to say. That's why I like that I'm feeding, or not feeding into, um, rolling into June with, these interviews, I have this one and two more, and so look forward to those rest of them, um, and then that'll bring us to the end of June, um, which is kind of crazy, and then we'll be into July, um, I might, there is one episode I wanted to make in June, for something else. So now that I'm just thinking through it, uh, there's a possibility this will roll into the first week of July, but we shall see. Anyway, like I said, I am, I I love making this mini series. I have loved it from the second I started it, which was a whole year ago, which is absolutely crazy to me, um, that it's been a whole year, But I am so happy that I'm finally getting these stories out. Sorry. Um, Last week, the reason that there was not an episode released was because I was sick. Um, And I had missed my first recording day, which is usually Fridays. I record Friday, and then I upload Saturday. But if I don't have the opportunity to record Friday, I have Saturday to record. Well... Friday was busy. I nannied or not nannied, I babysat. I normally nanny, but if it's only for a couple of hours I say I babysat, if that makes sense. So I babysat, then I went to work at the um the restaurant I work at, and then I went to my boyfriend's grad party. And I and helped set up and then actually was there for the party, so I was gone all day. I was going to Or I had work Saturday morning, and then I had cleaning, but I was going to get, I was still going to get this episode done, except I got super sick, so I was in bed, and then Sunday found out I had strep, that is why, so that's why, anyway, that's why last week didn't have an episode, but we're back, better than ever, stronger than ever, we've got this, so let's get into it. I'm just going to introduce our guest. Um, so, in in Washington State, specifically, like, King County, um, area, we have this place called Eileen and Callie's Place, supporting young ladies aging out of foster care. So, they empower, they educate, and they coach young women who are aging out of the foster care system. Um... There's a lot that you can do, you can donate, you can be a resource partner, do their volunteer program, and I'm going to read about them, but first of all, I am, this interview is with Dr. Natalie Ellington, she established Eileen and Callie's place in 2014 as a response to a heart cry. I'm going to read straight off their website. Years earlier, while serving on the King County Women's Advisory Board, Natalie had been made aware of the plight of young girls aged out of the foster care system, but consumed at the time with a full-time job and various community projects, she filed that information on the back burner of her brain and went about living life. It was 2010 when Natalie found herself unemployed and in search of clients to support her new consulting business tired of the associated stress and mounting disappointment that sorry, and mounting disappointment she spoke a life-changing prayer. Lord, I need to be involved in something bigger than myself and I can't spend my time just trying to pay the bills. The Lord answered that prayer and reminded her of these young girls and she began to research solutions to that heart cry. Named after her mother Eileen and her mother-in-law Callie, two women who steadfastly helped others outside of their immediate families, Eileen and Callie's place began to take form. The initial plan was to provide a two-year transitional home, but after repeated and in-depth conversations with young ladies who had aged out, it became clear that what they desperately needed and wanted was much more than a roof over their head. They wanted and needed genuine relationships. Mentors who were truly concerned about their well-being and their future. It was evident that the solution to what these ladies needed was clearly expressed in Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. These young girls needed hope and a vision of a great future. The revised plan provides support for them until their 25th birthday, and within that relational environment... Each young lady will be encouraged to explore their unique gifts and the dreams that they've held in their hearts over the years. Life skills, educational opportunities, and career exploration will all be conducted on an individual and personal basis. So I got to talk to this amazing woman who has put this all together. Um, she has a heart for the Lord, and she has a heart for people. It is amazing. Uh, You'll be able to see that in her interview. Um, This is the very first one I did with someone who had not themselves experienced the foster care system, but instead was an organization helping kids in foster care, and she does what I want to do, which has always been to help kids aging out of the system specifically, and I think it's just so amazing what she's been able to do, Um, so I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. Um, go check out the website. There's so much more information on it than what I was able to read. That was just a brief overview of um Dr. Natalie El- uh, Ellington starting Eileen and Callie's Place. So definitely go check out their website. It's just Eileen and Callie's Place org. So that being said, let's move into the interview. I'm so excited for you guys to hear her. She has inspired me so much and I'm sure she will inspire you as well.
1: Um, so if you just wanna do a quick introduction of who you are, that would be great.
2: Okay. So my name is Natalie Ellington. I am the founder and executive director of Eileen and Callie's Place, a nonprofit that was established specifically to support girls that are aging out of the foster care system. We have a foundation of mentoring, but our big goal is to eventually have a home where when they age out, they'll have a place right away, safe and secure housing. It's not a big place. We'll only have four or five girls at a time in the house, but it's all individual based. So they will be there for whatever length of time they need to be there up until their 25th birthday. At which point, if they're still with us, we would have been working with them to help them secure housing and then be able to help them move. But we want to be a place where they can always come. It's like when you're in college and you call and it's like I'm coming home and I'm bringing a friend or I'm not coming home so I'm going to my friend or I've got good news or I've got bad news. We want to always be that stable, secure, caring place for any of the young ladies we serve.
1: Awesome. Um, So you kind of touched on this earlier, but how exactly did you get the idea to start this and how did you start?
2: Well, I was part of the King County Women's Advisory Board and that board, um, every council member appoints one or two people from their district to represent their district. And what that board does is it looks out across the county at issues that affect women and to some degree children. And then we make recommendations to the city council about things that need to be done. So shortly after I was appointed to the board, we looked at the plight of girls one year after they had aged out of the foster care system. I don't, I can't tell you how that topic came up, but it was something that we... Um, contracted with a researcher to go out and gather information and come back with a proposal. And it was my first exposure to the foster care system. And the results were absolutely incredible. When you looked at the percentage of them who within one year of aging out were homeless, they were incarcerated, they hadn't finished high school, um, who knows how many had been trafficked. And so at the time, I was involved in a lot of other boards and committees throughout the county. So it was really just information that I had. Fast forward a couple of years later, and my situation changed. And I found myself really in prayer about what am I supposed to be doing? And God brought it to my remembrance, like remember that study. And I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder, you know, What's going on with that? And so I started doing some research. And I knew that at that time that I was to work with that population, but I wasn't really clear as to in what capacity. So I thought about starting a junior college because, you know, education is the key to everything. Once you get education, then you can go far. But I had enough knowledge or wisdom to say, let me find out from them what it is they want and what it is they need. So I met with a group called Passion for Action. They're based out of Olympia and they are foster kids that have either aged out or getting ready to age out. And they make recommendations to children administration about here's some things that we saw that we experienced that need to be addressed. And when I met with them and told them my idea, you know, I'm thinking of doing a home and blah, blah, one And it was about maybe about 15 or 20 of them sitting around a table. And one of them said, what's different about what you're doing? We've had homes. And there was that little twinge of an attitude because I found out later in their mind is just some of the goody two-shoes coming in trying to you know make themselves feel better because they're helping these poor foster kids. And I said, well, the difference is we really want to build relationship with you. And, you know, it was, I mean, everything kind of just stopped and said, so, well, then we'll listen. Because I found out that there are a lot of resources out there. There are a lot of people doing a lot of things. But the base of what it is they need is a caring adult, somebody they can trust, because they've learned not to trust adults. They say one thing, do another, they don't do what they say. And it, it's just, you know, they can't wait to get out of the system. And keep in mind, when I say things like that, I'm not talking about the whole system and about all foster parents there are some great foster parents out there, but we're talking about the ones that don't have the benefit of being in a good home and what they experience. And so I knew then that if we could develop a relationship with them where they could trust us, where we could do what we say we're going to do, it would make a difference. So we went out and looked at the resources that were there and developed a relationship with the resources to say, hey, here's what we're doing, here's what we want to do. And what i heard from a lot of them was you know our is people don't know we're here and so on that end we just constantly who else is out there what are they doing what are they willing to do where are they where are they located and then on the other side we said well we want to have a group of mentors whose primary concern is building a relationship with these kids we're not trying to be moms, we're not trying to be counselors, we're not trying to be therapists, we're trying to be someone that they can rely on, and so I I put out a general call, hey, anybody interested in being a mentor to a foster girl, you know, come to this meeting, and we had about 20 women showed up, and to me, that was like fantastic, and so we went through a training session, we had a detective from one of the local police departments come out and do a session, because I said, you guys have different levels of street knowledge. And when this young lady says to you, I've got a new boyfriend and he buys me really nice stuff and he really likes me and he has other girlfriends, but he likes me the most. I want you to know what they're talking about because that's a young lady that's being groomed for trafficking. Um, But before that, we had a young lady who had been in over 40 different homes, talk to the group. And she said, you know, you've got to be brave to do this work. Because they're not, you know, it's not rainbows and unicorns. They're not going to be necessarily thrilled to see you. They're not going to trust you. So you have to know that you know that you know that you're supposed to be doing that. So we got through, you know, the training and then I couldn't find any girls, which I thought was going to be the easiest part of it. But I found that when they age out, if they don't have solid connections, basically they kind of disappear. So I was back in prayer about, Father, how do I do this? What do I do? Because at this point, a good two years had passed of just laying that foundation and and meeting people and setting up the training and all those preliminary things. So now here I was thinking I'm ready to launch and you know there's nothing happening. And so I believe he dropped in my spirit the idea of having a, a party, a birthday party. He said, they're turning 18. So ID is telling them that they're grown. They really don't have much as far as next steps. So start with the party. And at that party, you will get a chance for them to meet you, for them to see, hey, you know, she's pretty cool. And um, ideally connect them with a mentor. So in 2019, we had the first party. Uh, he also told me to prepare for 100 girls. And I'm like, are you kidding me? A hundred girls. And I started saying when when the idea came to me, it was like, okay, we'll have probably we'll invite about 25 girls. He's like, no. I said, okay, 50 girls. Like, no, a hundred girls. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. So Finding the location. Um, we wanted them to be able to come in and, and shop. And I didn't want slightly used clothes because... Everybody's definition of slightly used is different. I said, I want brand new clothes, clothes with tags still on them. They can get used clothes anywhere. Um, we looked for shoes. We looked for beauticians and estheticians and nail manicurists who would be willing to give up a Saturday to just be available. Uh, we looked at, we, we went out in the community and talked to different organizations about what we were doing. And I realized what got everyone's attention was the fact that we were doing it for a hundred girls. We were preparing for a hundred girls because to them that was like, oh my gosh, how are you gonna do this? So I had a dentist give us a hundred toothbrushes and toothpaste kits, you know, because we wanted to be able to do some things that were essential. Um, And then my pet peeve was the fact that they moved from place to place with all of their belongings in big black trash bags. And I I hate that, I mean, with a passion. It's like, what better way to tell somebody that they're worthless than to have their life in a trash bag? And so I wanted to get uh, rolling duffel bags for them. And at the time, what I had in mind were, you know, those black ones that you see pilots and sewardists going through the airport with. But when I went up online to, because I needed to get a price, I needed to know what I was looking at to get a hundred of these, and I found, all different colors and all different designs and they were all 22 inch rolling duffel bags and so I knew it's like okay this is doable and it gives them something else that's special and that's theirs and so I found uh, some sponsors that gave me the money to buy them and when I looked initially I found some that were like 27 dollars I said okay that's not bad but the next week when I went back up to buy them those same bags were 35 dollars and I said, well, I'm not paying $35 for them. I'll just have to find ones that are 27 because they were the same brand, same maker, same size, same everything. It just was a matter of who was selling them. Ah. And so I had initially thought I would get 10 different colors, 10 each of 10 different colors. I would make my 100, but I, it didn't work out that way. So I ended up with 17 in order to get the 100 and to stay within the budget. We ended up with about 17 different styles and colors, which to me was like, okay, that's great. It just gives them more to choose from. And so we got that, we got everything in place. Uh, the Arwen Community and Event Center was relatively new, it's about two or three years old at that time. So it was really a great location. They had a 4,000 square foot gym that we transformed into the boutique, the hair salon. There were gifts all through the room. And then in that same facility, were banquet rooms so we could have the dinner in the same place. So Alki Bakery came alongside us and catered the dinner. Um, at that first one in 2019, I only invited, because I wanted everything to focus on the girls. So I only invited basically some of the community supporters that had you know given us money and elected officials. Because when I looked at the city, the mayor of Seattle, the mayor of Kent, the mayor of Auburn, the mayor of Pacific, the mayor of Tacoma, were all women. And so I invited all of that. And then I went through the website and invited city council women from city councils all throughout King County because I really wanted them to meet these young ladies. I wanted them, when legislation came across their desk, I wanted them to say, I met a girl that this applies to because it gives a whole different meaning to something that you're looking at when you've had someone with lived experience in your purview. And so that worked out really well. We got media coverage that we didn't expect. Um, We had scheduled a benefit breakfast in May because May is National Foster Care Month. And so we would raise money in May or July well, one of, the one of the guests at the May breakfast turned out to be a reporter from a local newspaper. So she called me in July and said, hey, I wanna do a follow-up story. Don't you have your Celebrate 18 coming up? I'm like, yep. So she did a interview. It came out on a Thursday. The next day I got a call from Como Radio saying, I just read this article. Are you available to do an on-air interview? So we did the on interview that Monday and then Saturday about two hours before the event I got a call from King Phi saying can we come out and do a remote of your thing and I was like yes because none of this was anything I could have paid for. Mm-hmm. So anyway so we really got good coverage and and things were rolling wrong. We had when the girls registered we asked them Um, if they were interested in meeting a mentor, because that was a secondary purpose. And the choices were yes, maybe, and not now, so that we could always get back to them. So after the event, two of the girls that had indicated maybe asked me if I would be their mentor. And I'm like, yes, of course. So that was fantastic. And then of course, 2020, the pandemic shut everything down. And so we didn't do anything in 2020 as far as having the celebration. In 2021, the restrictions lifted just enough for us to do Celebrate 18 again in 2021. So we did that. And after that celebration, we had six girls ask for mentors. So by then we had mentors that were trained and ready. So we were able to connect them uh, after the party with these mentors. And so this year, what we've done is we've turned the dinner portion of Celebrate 18 into a benefit dinner. And we're opening it up to the community for them to come in, meet some of the girls, hear about what it is we're doing, really support the vision, and then ideally support us financially because it's not an Eileen and Callie's Place function. It's a community function. We're just the lead horse on this thing. And so, We're just now, we just sent out invitations last week to a lot of the organizations that work with the girls. And then this week we're sending invitations out to actually any of the girls that we've been in contact with. We've got them in most of the high schools, most of the Wise, Treehouse, Mockingbird, all of those places that we know, youth care, Friends of Youth, because we're still prepared for 100 girls. And the more people that are aware of it, the more likely we are to be able to hit that number. The other thing that we're doing this year that's different, uh, with gas prices the way they are, if any of the girls come like two or more a group of two or more, then we're going to be able to give them a fifty dollar gas card to kind of help offset that cost. Because we have to we have to eliminate as many barriers as we can. So we've got the um, we've got the clothes lined up. Uh, we do cupcakes instead of a birthday cake. That way everybody blows out their own candle. Um, uh, and so we're just, you know, adding another little touch to it. We've expanded the salon this year so that there's a whole separate area where they can do hair, makeup, nails. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's coming along really well, really well.
1: That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Um, so my next question is, Why is it called Eileen and Callie's Place?
2: Like, is there a meaning behind it? Eileen is my mother. What's my mother? She passed away. But she used to make dresses for girls who were in orphanages. And Callie is my mother-in-law. And she used to take in foster kids. So in looking at what we wanted to do, you know, and talking with my husband, we decided that we wanted to really do that to honor them. So that's where the name comes from.
1: I love that. That's so cool. Um my next question, you touched on a little bit, but um how do you make the connections with these girls? Like how how are you reaching out to them to get them to come to celebrate 18 and that kind of
2: okay. Um, um like I said, I try to stay connected with the agencies that work with the young ladies. Um and so get to them as early and as much as possible. So the case workers, the... the um, uh, I lost the name just that quick. Anyway, um, those that work in that capacity, the case managers, the social workers, that's the name of the social workers. But then I also um, go into the schools. Right now, I'm just in this one school district And I will go in as a mentor under their mentoring programs. And I kind of ask for, you know, 10th grade girls that are in the foster care system. And where that information is confidential, you know, the Lord has a way of opening doors and providing favor and getting you things that you don't necessarily have access to. So um, some of the girls that i work with, matter of fact, most of them, I met them while they were in high school in the 10th grade. So by the time they turned 18, we had already developed a relationship. Um, They knew what I was doing because I don't start out with, this is what I'm doing at this point, I'm here. Because at 10th grade, I really want to see where their thought process is. You've got two more years before you age out. What are your plans? And then that allows me to gauge into, okay, here's what she's thinking. Here's what she wants to do. How can I come alongside her and help her do that? And so um, some of the girls that I got, that I met when they were in the 10th grade, they were 16, 17 years old. Uh, Two of them turned 21 last November. So they're getting older, but the relationship continues on. And then I have three girls now who are graduating. uh, Matter of fact, on Sunday that I just met a week ago so we're kind of speeding up that, hey, I got to get to know you. What are you doing? You know, that whole plan. So of the girls that I personally work with, the majority of them, like I said, I met while they were in high school. The some of the older ones I met as I was starting this process. Um, and I met them through Treehouse or through Mockingbird because I was looking for resources and information. And then the other girls, now that I have been at this for a little while, I have contacts and relationships with some of the DCYF workers and some of the DSHS workers who may call and say, Natalie, I've got a, a young lady that I'd like you to meet. She really needs to talk to somebody. And so that's how we're doing that. But the party is the key because to meet them in that atmosphere already lets them say, okay, Here's what, I don't know whether you had a chance to look at the videos from Celebrate that were on the website, but um, two of the young ladies that were featured in those videos uh, have been with me for a little while now and continue. And so I asked them to come back every year. I said, because uh, you get to be kind of a connection between the new girls and you get to shop again. So that's another plus for them.
1: Cool, that's awesome. Um, what do you feel is the biggest need for kids in foster care and kids who are aging out of foster care?
2: Well, on, on both counts, it's the, it's the relationship. It's somebody that they can really and honestly trust. Sometimes there's so many people in and out of their lives. I remember I was working on an application process Um, in advance of getting the home. And I always rely on lived experience. And so I have on my advisory council, I have two young ladies who aged out of the system. And then I met another young lady that had aged out and I had her look at it. And, you know, we do some things just out of habit. You know, we're putting together a form, we ask for social security number, we ask for references, we ask for different things without stopping to think, do we really need them? And so the first thing she said was, you know what? We don't always have our social security number when we age out. We don't necessarily get all of our paperwork. And so then I had to ask myself, why are you even asking for their social security number? You know, because it's always on applications. So I took that off. And then she said, and I had asked for references. And I said, someone that's known you for six months. I don't know anybody. I don't have anybody that I've known for six months. And I said, you know what? Why am I asking for that? However they come to me, it's going to be from reference standpoint. And I can always ask for that as we as we get to know each other, as we're talking, who else can we re- refer to or rely on? Now, we do need someone to call in the case of an emergency, but if they don't have that, then we at least need to know, well, do you have a doctor or do you, what do you have? What do we do? Okay. And so um, the need is for someone they can trust. And then as they're aging out, the need, of course, is housing and those connections. There are a lot of schools now that have special scholarship programs for foster kids coming out of foster care. But again, all of that is contingent upon them having someone that's going to help walk them through that process. In the best of situations, applying to college and walking through that orientation and that freshman year is scary at best. It's like, I have no idea what it is I'm doing. So who do they turn to? You know, And if they don't have a safe and secure place to live, their focus is on survival. It's like, I'm not trying to do all that stuff. I'm trying to make sure that I'm safe.
1: Yeah. Um, how do you, what do you think is the biggest thing that the system needs to improve on? You know
2: what, I'm reluctant or hesitant to speak against the system or for the system because I've seen both sides of it. But what seems to me to be missing is them listening to the youth, listening to what those that have gone through the system has to say and those that are in the system have to say. Because as adults, we tend to operate on the fallacy that because we're an adult, we know everything. We know what's best for you, when in fact, that's not always the case. We may have some ideas or some options, but a lot of times we're basing the I know what's best for you off of faulty information. You know, my personal position would be take that money that you're spending on foster care and foster parents and help the families become whole. From what I've learned, a large, probably 90 percent kids that are removed from homes are removed because of neglect, not abuse. True, kids need to come out of abusive situations, but if they're being neglected, then ask yourself why? Okay, so if you've got a single mom that's working two jobs, yeah, the kids are being raised or sitting in front of the TV. And so when a neighbor calls and said, oh, I'm listening to such and such, this is going on, and they want to remove that child from that home, why don't you say, okay, mom, what is it that you need to get one good job and be able to take care of your kids? Instead of taking them out of there, putting them into situations that may or may not be Healthy or even better than what they were in. And now they're dealing with that trauma for as long as they're in the system or for their life. So now they may say, well, our goal is really reunification, but how are you putting, how are you going to reunify this kid with this household, this family, if the family hasn't gotten any help? But well, we know, Lizzie, because we're operating from a foundation of. The word of God and faith and spirituality. That if the enemy is able to destroy the family, he's destroying society. He's destroying community. So what other place for him to start other than well, let's rip this family apart, and then we have access to a kid that we can then, you know, rip apart. And so going into that situation and presenting that to the powers to be is another hole. It's like, how do you do that? So we thank God for those who are called to advocate, those that are called to say, let's start at the ground level, let's start upstream. Instead of waiting until X, Y, and Z has happened, let's get in and, and do some things to make the family situation stronger and better. Then waiting until these kids are in the system Now they're coming out of the system, they're now incarcerated, they're now pregnant, they now haven't been in school, and now their kids are gonna be in the system. And it's a cycle that's ridiculous and could easily be mended if folks would stop and look at the root cause of what's going on.
1: Um, So we have about six minutes left because I don't have Zoom Pro, so it's gonna shut us off at 40 minutes, but- uh, oh, you're all right. so my last question is, how can just someone in the community help?
2: Um, we need mentors. We need folks that are willing to, to get involved in their lives. And so depending upon what it is you're called to do, find an organization that's doing that and volunteer your time. Sometimes time is more valuable than the money. Folks always say, oh, you want money, you want money, you want money. It's like, no, give me some time. Spend some time. We know that it only takes one caring adult to make a difference in a young person's life. You can do that. We can do that.
1: That's amazing. Um, and then my very, very last thing, though, say is is there anything else that you would like to add?
2: I really would like however we can to get the word out about celebrate 18. Because I feel if we can get the girls to the party, we've got to start. We've, we've yeah. got to uh hit, yeah. So however we can promote that, however we can spread that word, it's statewide, you know, like I said, we'll do, we're doing the gas cards to, to help with that, but if we can start there, then we can, we can pull in the rest of it. So awesome. all your friends are in the system, let them know. Spread yeah. the
1: word. Yes, okay. for sure. Thank yeah. you so much for doing this with me. It was amazing to hear your insight and see what you guys are doing, because I think it is absolutely wonderful so thank you we have
2: to let me know when the documentary is out so that i can see that and then you know then on the 23rd sneak over to us for a little bit
1: yep for sure thank you so much have a good one
2: you talk to you later
1: see ya bye bye thank
0: you all so so much for listening to this episode i hope that she inspired you just as much as she inspired me i think her story of how she came to the realization, how God revealed it to her, all that stuff. Um, and then actually putting that into action and all that she does is so, so cool. I love, love, love her celebrate 18 stuff. Uh, I got invited to do it and I was unable to, which was super unfortunate or like not do it, but like go and see and, you know, do some press for it. And unfortunately I wasn't able to do it last year, but I think what she does is so amazing, and I'm so excited to see where it conti- how it continues to grow. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. I think that they actually look for um, volunteers to help with their social media, so if that's something you guys are interested in, you could go check it out. Um, I already run two accounts, so I'm not going to be able to do it, but
1: anyways, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. and. Can't wait to see you guys for next week's episode. God bless.